Go yes, on. brother. Yes, I can hear you guys. Perfect. You guys hear me? Yep. Yeah, let's go. Right on. Well, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the big 4-1, 41 fucking episodes of the Hideaway Down. Wasn't more to go. How you boys doing? I'm good. Yeah, yeah, really good. Busy week. Um, very productive. So it's nice to um, jump back into the normality of organized crime. <laughs> I know. I missed you guys last week, man. Me and that James fella, we fucking chopped it up, man, and fucking. That was a wicked interview, man. I think it worked better with just you and James um, talking. I appreciate that, man. That, that meant a lot to me when you said that, because I really did miss having you guys there. But that son of a bitch knew his shit. He could have done a podcast. Oh, he didn't. Yeah, no, he was pretty cool, man. He was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a good one. I couldn't believe that he Hunter S. Thompson that fucking book. Like, that just, that, I mean, from the second he told me, like, he sat down and retyped the thing because he, you know, his copy was falling apart and he didn't want to lose it or pay $500. I was like, all right, like, I fucked with this guy. So, big, big shout out to James uh, from last week. I really enjoyed having him on. Uh, big shout out to Seth. Uh, for, I, can one of you tell me how to say his last name? Ferrante. Ferrante. Ferranti, yeah. Before I fucking butcher it, big big shout out to him, man. I uh, I caught his special on Vice over the over the week. That was heavy. Yeah, fuck yeah, it was, man. I was going through a rough time that night too, so like, it, I, actually, it was really like, I you know, I was really down. I was in the dumps. You know, I'm not a big fan of this time of year, even though we, we're holding the down hideaway holiday style. Yeah. But, but yeah, he uh, I I heard set I heard Seth Ferranti pop up, and I was. So big shout out to him and everything he's doing. His White Boy Rick documentary, uh, his, his special on Vice, uh, all the, his Lucky Luciano comic book with uh, Chris. Christian Cipollini. Cipollini. Oh, it's but yeah, big uh, big shout out to those guys over there. I'm really excited to uh, have him on some point here between uh, the first of the new year and uh, sometime in March, whenever all his. Uh, Whenever all his legality stuff clears up for his new project he's got coming, he uh he said he'd be on. So I'm super excited for that. Steph, Steph's a top guy, man. He he's um he's given me so much advice and kind of um if you like helped me along the way with my with my writing and research. So big up, Steph. Yeah, same here. No, yeah, I was surprised because when I asked him, like, I was just like, yo, man, that, you know, that special hit me so hard. I figured, fuck it, I'll write him. I mean, I write ever, anybody. I write fucking Sammy the Bull three times a week. Shout out Sammy. I don't give a fuck who hates you. I love you, you son of a bitch. Hey, but, listen, Sammy's getting a lot of love um, in the comments section of his YouTube videos. There's a lot of people that want him to make a film. They're saying, look, he's been done. I mean, he's been through a lot at the end of the day. Um, so um, he, his film would be incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, rat or no rat, I don't give a fuck. That motherfucker's a real one. All right. Like, I don't know nobody else who gets locked up at like in their like their mid 40s, 50s, comes out, sleeves the fuck up, just pissed off looking. Just that photo that service to him when like he first got out and somebody caught him at like a pizzeria or whatever. And it looked like they were trying to sneak a photo and he caught them sneaking a photo and he just gave you the fucking, you know, like, what do you want from me? Look. Yeah, like, that was his family's restaurant, I believe. Mm. Okay, his fucking face is priceless, dude. Because you can tell whoever took it was trying to, you know, sneak this it real quick. And he's just like, "Yeah, I see you, motherfucker." Just all sleep up, fucking. Like I said, I, I have a good time chatting it up with with Sammy. I, I mean, I probably annoy the piss out of him, but I ain't ever gonna stop. 
Yeah, well, sometimes that's just what you got to do, you know, is sneak the photo in because they're not going to really let you just take it, you know. Um, I was at my cousin's, yeah, I think you guys know the story, at my cousin's wedding reception a couple of years ago and uh, the boss of the Boston Mafia, Carmine D'Annunzio, was there and, you know, my dad introduced me and stuff and uh, I asked him for a photo and he said not tonight, but um, I ended up getting a photo of him without him knowing just to show that he really was there, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I pretended my father had my father pretend to take a picture of something else, someone else, and I caught him in it. I hope your family's not too disappointed. <laughs> no, that's fine. Them. Yeah, you, then again, you don't exactly want to be caught in the bushes taking a picture of Sammy Gravano, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll definitely be caught in his inbox, fucking bugging the shit out of him, being like, "When are you gonna come on? When are you gonna come on? When are you gonna come on?" Yeah, he called me a friend, dude. I fucking, I almost did a backflip. Motherfucker said, you know, I, I was so simple, too. He's just all like, you know, ha, you know, have a good weekend, my friend. And I was just, oh, man, I sent it to everybody who I give a fuck about. I was like, bro, fuck it. <laughs> I'm sure he has a fee for coming on these things, and I'm sure it's not cheap either. You know, um, like I told you guys, I reached out to uh, Juan Pablo Escobar. Pablo Espa's son to get him to come on, and he said he would, but it's uh, a $5,000 appearance fee, and we're just not in a position to do that right now, so. Yeah, but listen, you wouldn't mind paying for that, but um, there's a couple out there that you, you would have thought that, um, let's just say the ones that um, have really, really lived on a, a, a famous childhood, uh, and have continued to live on that childhood ever since. A bit like Macaulay Culkin. And then they <laughs> and they expect money to come on. What's that about? This motherfucker said, this is like, oh, fuck it, we'll call him out his name. Fucking old boy from Goodfellas. Plays what, D'Onofrio? <laughs> I was going to pay him too, man, but like he didn't like have no... Nothing else to say to me about, but but where's my money? So I was like, all right, man, you know, you know where you're. Bro, he was doing, he was doing Facebook. Um, he was doing uh, advertising acting lessons on Facebook for like sixty five dollars for an hour, or sixty five dollars for a session, and then he cut the price to forty five dollars. <laughs> oh, so that's just how well his career's going exactly. for him. That he exactly. to do that. He's like Macaulay Culkin got one film, and then that's it. Just just rode on the back of that for the rest of his life. Macaulay Culkin was an A-list celebrity. Yeah, because of it, yeah. What's he done since? Same as D'Onofrio. What's he done since? <laughs> oh, D'Onofrio, he ain't shit. He's, he's hopped in and out of fucking, I don't know, probably gotten killed in everything he's been in, pretty much. At least some of those guys, I mean, you've got people like um, William DeMeo. At least they've, they've been doing stuff over the years. They've had Sopranos. William DeMeo's got Gravesend. I mean, they've been doing lots of other stuff. Seth Ferenti's got no reason to respond to me whatsoever, nor does Sammy the Bull or guys like either way to be like, hey, kid, you know. That's what happens when you deal with a real thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. once we have enough sponsors and, you know what I mean, listeners and stuff like that, we'll gladly pay the fees, you know what I mean? But right now it doesn't make sense to us to shell out $5,000 that we know we're not going to see for who knows how long. I'd rather get the Cookie Monster on the Dinofrio. <laughs> I'd rather be fucking Michael Franchese at that point. <laughs> and the thing with that guy is he always acts the same. I don't, I'm not hating on anybody or anything like that, but it's like whenever you see him in a different movie, it's like you still see the same person. Like um, 
you know, he's not really that great at acting at different people. Who's that, De Niro? <laughs> Every role that Pesci's turned down is they've given. I mean, no hard feelings. It's all, it's all good, man. I, I feel you. I gotta climb cell phone towers. I like the way that uh, the uh, uh, De Niro um, uh, molded into his part as Capone, and then used the same methods to be able to play. <laughs> I'm just waffling bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry. I just I, he might be a good actor, but let's be honest, he is type he is typecast in hero, isn't he? Every, every role he plays, it don't matter whether it's serious, comedy, whatever. He's Robert De Niro. <laughs> Joe Pesci, you're getting it wrong, bro. You're giving him way too much credit. He takes the roles Joe Pesci turns down. Flat <laughs> the fuck out. They're like the same height. They're the same. They're both from Jersey. I'm pretty sure. Like, like and I hate on the man. I fucking I love a Bronx tale. I fucking I think. But yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I told you I'd pay you and fucking when I got a hold of you about how I was running a little behind, yada, 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 you know, have you set up on Anchor? But he wouldn't even download the Anchor app. So he's like, well, where's my money? It's like, all right, man, have a good weekend. Go fuck yourself. yourself. But nonetheless, we spent enough time giving him his. Yeah, on to to Big Paul. And three. Let's get our shout-outs in first, Dom. I mean, they're, they're fucking Seth, Seth ain't the only one, David. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, I want to give a big shout-out to uh, Christian, Christian Cibellini. Uh Big shout-out to Mitzi Zaretto as well, uh, my editor and publisher. We've got our book coming out soon. It's now You can now um, get it on Amazon on pre-order. Um, uh, we'll have to drop the link into that. I'll drop the link into the Instagram post. Um but yeah, uh, it's a bad guy podcast, and of course, Joey over gangster profiles and national crime syndicate. Um, I second all the ones Dave said. You know what I mean? I, I we're ten minutes in. I won't go through them all, but you guys all know who you are. So shout out to everyone. Well, a big shout out to Ciro to Pazio. Pazio to Ma- nobody nobody uh, texted him yet. Shout out to Arch and Harold too. All the boys over there, uh, Ronnie Cockroach, David Randazzo, you know. But, uh, yeah, uh, let's tackle the big ball hit, boys. Yeah, in three days uh, on December 16th is the 30th anniversary of the big Paul Castellano hit. One of the most legendary mafia hits, you know, oh, yeah. pretty much I mean, ever. Just rake it all Where'd he go? Yeah, he was breaking up a little. Come back to you. Can you hear me? Yeah, that's better. Yeah, I can hear you now. Uh, no, what I was saying was uh, they really, like, dragged a big ball hit all over his family. You know what I mean? I don't think they hold a still shot on a dead body in a mob documentary longer than Big Paul when he's laid out outside Spark Steakhouse. Mm. It was such a brazen hit, though, you know what I mean? Right out there in the middle of the freaking midtown Manhattan while everybody's Christmas shopping. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That was to say, I mean, that was a message pure and simple, wasn't it? I mean, that that could have been done almost anywhere, but to do it where they chose and at the time of year, that is what you call sending out a message. And at the time of day, fucking 526, 530 at night. Are, like, are you kidding me? Like, I mean... 
it's it's Christmas time in Manhattan. Well, I was actually on um, New York Times. have got uh, on their archives. They've got a report from the day that Sammy Gravano, talking to Sammy Gravano, gave testimony, yeah. and he talks about the Castellano hit, and it's like it's just incredible. It's just. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, the way he talks about it is if they were going to pick up a parcel. Do you know what I mean? But um, it really does uh, highlight as well how busy the area was at that time of night or time of the day. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's packed. And like I said, it's not like we're in, you know, the boogie down Bronx. We're not in Bensonhurst. We're not in, you know, Newark, New Jersey. We're in fucking downtown Manhattan where every tourist who's come to see the lights and the ball drop on New Year's and, you know, Rockefeller Center and all that, like, they're, they're, they're lingering, they're chilling, they're fucking, you know, they're wandering around seeing the sights, and then obviously you got your, you know, your New Yorkers doing their New Yorker thing, not giving a flying fuck about nobody. And, and, that, and that's why Gaudi, you know what I mean, um, and whoever, whoever's idea it was actually to have them all dress up the same in the uh, beige trench coats and, uh, Russian fur hats. I mean, they knew there was going to be a lot of witnesses. So when the witnesses described to the cops what they saw, all the men addressed the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The reservoir dogs theory, long before reservoir dogs is ever a thing. Yeah. It's a very well, um, well, obviously, it was a very well planned hit. Um, we only know it was um, Gotti because we know it's Gotti. Um, had we not known, it would have, I mean, it would have been perfect. I mean, I thought they kind of had a had a hunch, like within days. Yeah. Oh yeah, he wanted it to be known it was him too, though. You know what I mean? Like that's that's true. That's true. The fear of that is how he, you know, got the family. But that he is, that is... he had to deny it, though. You know what I mean? Just because he broke a rule, he, you know what I mean? He had to deny it, but so he denied it with with also letting everybody know it was him. Right. Uh, right. He, I mean, he. Was... He wasn't alone though. What, uh, yeah. It was the Chico, right? That lured Paul to Sparks, was it? Was he, it? He, yeah, for the meeting. Yeah, for the meeting, because apparently um, he was the one that told uh, Thomas Gambino, because Thomas Gambino turned up afterwards, didn't he? Because uh, he was obviously going to be there as well. Um, yeah. And he he was the one that yeah he was the one. This is what Gravano said in his testimony, and he said, and Frank he told him that your uncle just got shot. Just go back to your car and leave, Mr. Gravano added. I mean, hey, at least they're giving respect where respect's due. It's like, hey, look, you know, some shit's going down. It's over with. It's done. Mm. Paul's gone. You know, like, we don't want to hurt you. We don't. I did always admire Gotti's respect for the Gambino family as far as, like, Carlos, you know, neck to kin. Carlos, you know, actual children and Stuff like that. Do you think um, Castellano was 60 years too late? Were he at the beginning um, when the Mafia were first created, or even in the 30s, that he would have been the sort of boss that they would have wanted? No, I, I, I personally don't. No? I, uh, no, I, I think, I mean, you stated it uh, a few episodes back, and actually I was chopping that up with James last week because we went into the whole Neil bit, and I brought up your theory on, Maybe Neil knew that, you know, the, the street guy era was, you know, he was on his way out. He's facing charges. He's sick. You know, he wasn't happy about it, but maybe he knew somebody like Paul was, was an 80s mm-hmm. man. Like, Paul was an 80s man. I, mean, I know he came up in the bootleg era. I know he's no, he's, no, he's no slouch, really. We give him a lot of shit, but he just got greedy and lazy like any good mafia mm-hmm. boss. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, 
That's exactly what it was, the greed, you know, I mean, and everybody, and that's why it was easy for Gotti to get everybody on his side, you know, I mean, I believe um, Paul Castellano upped the tribute payments from 10% to 15%, which pissed a lot of people off because they weren't, you know, really making as much money at the at the time, and then he's asking for more, and they just didn't yeah, like how he did it. Because all, all, yeah, all four of the families recognised Gotti as the boss afterwards, didn't they? I mean, the Genovese family agreed, but they weren't happy with it. Um, but they still, yeah. they still recognised Gotti as the boss. So he must have pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, Chin Gigante basically told them, um, you know, we're going to let, you know, we're going to let this go, but there's going to come a time where someone's going to pay for mm. it. And, um, and I think what he meant by that was the Frankie DeChico hit. You know, that was he was Gotti's uh, underboss, and it was like, um, you know, that was Gotti's punishment. Yep. Well, in order, rules I don't know. Are rules are That's what they I mean, at the end of the day, the chin was was old school. So, um, and there's no way that we can um, quantify Gotti as old school. But the chin was old school. So the rules and, if you like, the the, the old school style would have been important to the chin. So, yeah, right, fair enough, this had to happen. However, the rules dictate that someone has to suffer now. Yeah, but for Gordy, it was... Um... I got to hop in on that real Go quick. I, I halfway agree and disagree with that last Go statement. On. I think Gotti was a, was a throwback to, like, original Cosa Nostra. I think the media and, you know, the, the hype behind the mafia... That had really been like, really been like brewing since '57 when Anastasia mm. gets clipped and everybody's obsessed from there. I think he just got too into his own. You know, he. Ne- I mean, he was never cut like that before. I mean, we all know he's a degenerate gambler. You know, he's hijacking 16, 17 trucks, whacking it up with this guy. His men always got paid. He always paid his 15 percent and 10 whatever. I don't think the chin old schools we give him credit for. I don't picture a Capone or an Anastasia or someone like that wandering around the streets of uh, Greenwood Village uh, pissing on themselves and pretending to be crazy. They're not as flaunty as Gotti, don't get me wrong. But the chin was also kind of, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of respect for how he did it, but I, cu- I, I couldn't No, do it. I, I, I agree. I, exactly. I, I have a big issue with that I do. myself. I do. I mean, it, it brings embarrassment onto the mafia, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, yeah. it, what kind of – and at the end of the day, yeah, all right, he'd done it for nine years, but he still lost. <laughs> they they were on him all this. He must have ended up having a problem behaving that way after after nine years. That must have screwed his head up behaving like that. Almost a split personality. I could see that. Like you couldn't even turn it off because he could, he wouldn't he didn't even turn it off when they convicted him. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Him. When he, when did it become fiction, and when did it therefore because of the fiction and him playing a part? When did it all of a sudden just they wake up one morning and he was no longer the chin? He was this dribbling idiot that was walking about. Yeah, well, the reason he had to give up the act was because they had indicted his son. Yeah. And, um, you know, or they were going to indict his son. But if Chin, you know, admitted that it was all an act, his craziness, you know, they go easy on the kid or leave him alone. I forget the exact circumstances. Okay, well, I, I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't not know. Yeah, that. I and, and one that. guy that was in jail with Chin, he was, uh, I don't know if it was his cellmate or in the cell next door, um, but he on the morning of nine eleven. Now this was when Chin was still doing his crazy acts uh, in prison. He was still pretending to be crazy and all that. This guy had said to him, you know, hey, did you hear about 
the towers, you know, 9-11, he told them what happened. He said uh, he got shock, had a shock on his face. And then, um, you know, he was instantly concerned about his family and wanted to call his family. And that's how the guy's like, he's seen him switch from this, you know, guy who's mentally insane to somebody who's completely normal almost and worried about his family. So the guy's like, you know, I knew right then and there it was an act. I mean, yeah, I got to give him the no vanity thing. I mean, there's absolutely no vanity behind it. And he didn't, he didn't want to go down as this flaunty, flamboyant, uh, you know, Al Capone or John Gotti or, you know, a, a gas pipe castle or a guy like that. He, he wanted to legitimately out, outlive. He wanted to go out like Carlos did. But, I mean, like you guys said, if you end up getting caught with all that act, with the Gigante shuffle, with all of it, like, Come on, man. I, I'd rather fucking get my five years in like Gotti did and do a hundred fucking years. At least I know I, you know, at least I know I flaunted and fucking. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing with Gotti. I mean, people talk about him becoming front page news, but following the McClellan hearings and obviously the death of Gambino, who was one of the best at, at, at kind of keeping a low profile um, of Carlo, obviously Gambino, um, that the mafia was in the media every day anyway. And Gotti was turning up yeah. at court so much. It's like, did he actually just turn around and say, do you know what? If I'm going to be on the front page, fuck it. I might as well be on the yeah. front page. Because you cannot deny that Gotti was mafia through and through. He was a street guy through and through. And like you say, in respect of old school, yeah, he would have been a proper old school uh, mafia member, apart from the flamboyancy, but would he have been flamboyant then? Um, or what, did that I mean, flamboyancy point, come with the mafia coverage? Was there like a cause and effect that the mafia created, uh, sorry, that the media created rather than the other way around? I think it would, I think what it would be is wiretaps, honestly. Because if we had, if we had good wiretapping back in Capone's era, we'd have got Capone. Well, everyone would have been talking about we're involved in wiretap. Rogerio, uh, uh, Paul, Big Paul, Gotti, uh, Gravano, all of them were caught on wiretaps. Yeah. But they focused on him more because of his, you know, flamboyance and, um, you know, how he was because he was, you know, he was beating the cases. He was thrown in the face. The public loved him. The government didn't want anybody looking up to him like that. So I think they went after him harder because of the way he um, he approached things. and Didn't you know, get away with oh, it. Yeah, the Teflon I mean, Don like he was named. Taking two, taking two separate $2,000 velour suits to fucking court so you can change out at lunchtime. I mean, but then, yeah, he got away. But don't so forget, Gotti got away with uh, or got not guilties on old-fashioned jury tampering, old-fashioned judge tampering, prosecution yeah. tampering. Those were the ways he got away with it. So uh, did that – was it his media personality that enabled him to get away with it, if that makes sense? Was he such a name that there was no way that the members of the jury knew exactly who he was? Um, and straight away they're going to go. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the cash, thanks, and go not guilty. I'll fuck the police up for you. And the same <laughs> with prosecutors and judges uh, as well. I, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, the media mm. fucking loved him. I, I, my, one of my favorites. He's walking next to a reporter. I forget who he is. He's like, "You need to behave yourself." And the reporter's like, "I am behaving." He's like, "No, you ain't behaving yourself." 
And just just the shit he would say. He walks outside of his house. It's like noon. They're filming. They're filming. He's like, you fellas must have a lot of film. He was never angry at the, you know, that's where I do love Fat Tony through and through the, you know, Fat Tony, you have anything? To, yeah, go mm. fuck yourself. Yeah. You know, thank you. Like, that's some real straight, straight up gangster. But guy, like, he's facing 80 years and they're like, Mr. Gotti, how do you feel? And he's like, you know, I always feel good. Like, that's. But that's the thing is, Ian, but the thing is, that was, if, if that was the case, that was no different to Gotti playing that flamboyant out there in your face character was no different, if you like, to the chin playing the character he was playing, just that he was doing it from a mm. different perspective. He was pissing on himself. No, but that's what different. I'm saying. Yeah, but Gotti put himself on the front cover of Time magazine. The, whatever way you yeah, look at I mean, it, it was he... still bringing the mafia into disrepute. You don't want the mafia on the front cover sure. of Time magazine, but then on the other hand, you don't want pictures of mafia bosses pissing on themselves. I mean, the, I, I guess with Gotti, my whole thing is too is like even before the Castellano hit, he was still a mm. big target, even at, like as a captain. Like, that motherfucker, like, he he held that, like, I'm a million-dollar man, even when he was scraping two nickels together, losing on every single team he ever bet on, ever. Like, he's still, like, you know, uh, I know it's just in the movie, but I actually think it is a real quote of his where uh, him and right. table, and he's stressing out about having to pay all his debts and all his, you know, because he, he was a gambler, too. And he, you know, he's talking to the one guy and he's like, you know, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm like the clock place the fucking bet. And Angie's all like, you know, he's not a connected guy. What, you know, what's the worst thing he's going to do if you tell him to go fuck himself? He's like, hey, Angie, if a, if a, what is, what is it? If a player loses, he pays. If a bookie loses, he pays. You know what I mean? Like he was, he at least still had some weird kind of, kind of morals to him. Cause like, yeah, you know, people didn't mind lending him money to gamble on. Cause yeah, he's going to dick you and dodge you for a fucking week or two, some sort of it. But then I know where you're going to get a truck yeah. full of fucking furs at your front door. You know, like, but nonetheless, uh, let's, let's sort of break down the Castellano hit for everybody. We're, uh, we're giving Gotti and good old fucking Joey Gustafano or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> now who delivered the kill shot? You said it was, uh, John. Uh, Coneglia. I can't. Coneglia. Yeah. Allegedly. He the kill- yeah. He's allegedly the one that, uh, put the, the bullets into Paul's, uh, head. Yes, allegedly. I'm sorry. This is all alleged, by the way, folks, except, you know, and nobody who, else. Who there, there was four of them, weren't there? So who were the other three, Rob? I know. Ah, uh, there was there was more than four. I believe there was about eight total. Well, well, yeah, but there was probably uh, four that did the, um, that took the shots. There was a backup crew of four. I thought the four across the street clipped. Uh, Bilotti. I thought the four that ran up on Paul clipped Paul. They fired shots on Bilotti, and I could have swore like Artuso or or Lino or somebody was the one who ended up clipping Bilotti. I think it was of- I think it was Anthony uh, Rampino who was the one who um who shot shot uh, Bilotti. Uh, I, he got him six times in his head and chest, I believe, and uh that was right as um Coniglia was delivering the shots to uh okay. his head. I, I thought- yeah, and then um, Rampino took aim at Tommy Velotti and shot him six times, uh, hit him in his head and chest. No, that's what's up. They had to kill uh, both of them because, uh, you know, with with Velotti being the underboss, if if the boss is killed, the underboss takes power. So they had to both go in order for uh, them to take control. Yeah, give me one. Give me one second. I gotta. Uh, I gotta turn this shit <laughs> off. 
stupid ass fucking song. Yeah, but there's um there's several different names as to who are involved. I mean, they say uh, Salvatore Scala, Vincent Atuso, Eddie Lino, John Carniglia, Anthony Rampino, Joe the German Watts, and possibly Leonard Di Maria. And then, Pisani, right? Yeah, and then there's another set of uh set of names with a couple of the same and um sorry about that brother that's all right yeah no i've uh but i have figured out how to like uh do like sections at this point i finally finally not completely retarded what's going on brother and we're back everyone yeah sorry for the minor convenience everybody but i just threw another uh sponsor segment for anchor up in between where it'll cut off and pick back up so it'll it'll go like a gym yeah, I apologize about that. I'm uh, still recording off the phone like a peasant, and somebody apparently needed to get a hold of your boy. Apparently, Joey D already here for talking shit about him. So, <laughs> Sammy's trying to get on. Yeah. Oh my god, I'd wish I'd fucking end this right now. I'd be like, fucking, we're restarting. So people do listen to this. Oh yeah, people listen to us. No, you didn't I, think we? You, no, I, was I, was, I was. I was making a joke. I thought it yeah, for us. <laughs> yeah. I know we have at least a dozen. I would have been no, we're professional. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, put, we're pushing like 7,000, 8,000 plays, bro. Wow. Not bad, not bad. Cool. No, not bad, not great. But, I mean, you got to think, I'm fu- I fucking did the first fucking 30-something episodes by myself. So, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah not, not I, don't right. go, I don't go back and listen to them all because I don't like to hear how terrible I fucking did. So I don't, mm. I don't listen to any of them. I fucking just send it. That's why I also don't read the YouTube comments or, or any of the comments that matter because, you know, there's going to be those trolls that just have nothing better to do but talk shit. Actually, man, we're getting decent, like, reviews that, like, they're, like that, that red guy being like, you know, you don't know Tony Cilantro. You're a joke, blah, blah, blah. But then he calls me in, like, 20 minutes and is like, hey, I want to help you. You know, like, like, so, I mean, we actually, we're actually getting a lot of love out there, man. We, we're getting, oh. like, we, we do. Right on Spotify, uh, the Google po- uh, Google Podcast uh, forum and shit like that. Like we're we're doing all right. We're doing all right, boys. So where were we then? We were talking about the other hitmen, uh, gunmen for yeah, Castellano. I, was, uh, I think we'd call them thoroughly, though. I was thoroughly impressed that Tony Roach is who allegedly uh, delivered the kill shots on Bilotti because I didn't think he stayed, you know, not nodding out long enough to ever even pull off a successful hit. Who who was that you were talking about? Tony Roach. Anthony Anthony Rapino. That's Tony no. Roach, right? Yeah. Yeah, it says like that's why like the, you know there's so many different stories. And one thing um, that I've read in the past it said that he was the one who shot Bellotti. There's another thing that says that he was one of the backup shooters and wasn't involved uh, in pulling the triggers. But um, I don't know. And I forget the other guy's name. I should have looked it up. But uh, he. Eddie Lena. Uh, yeah, well, Eddie Lino, but there was one guy who was um, who was there shooting, and and his gun jammed up, or I don't know, but everybody thinks he like uh got spooked and just didn't go through with it. But he but he told everybody his gun jammed. Wasn't that Watts or Scal uh, Scalo? It's possible. I really can't think of his name right now. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I only got the uh like the four main shooters by Sparks down, and then I know Lino and uh. Tony Roach linger in the background. I think, like I said, that's the beautiful part about this fucking, you know, our fascination is like 
it's you know who, who's to really say i know gravano and fucking Gotti are sitting in a car across the street i do know that yeah, yeah I so i that. tend to go with gravano's version on that but to, to, to name every shooter that they that they say was involved or wasn't involved, uh salvatore scala vincent Artuso, eddie lino john carniglia and anthony rampino joe the german watts uh lennon di maria and then they go that's, dominic that's dominic pizzone uh pizzonia and then they angelo ruggiero it just it goes on and on, you know what I mean. So, and obviously they all weren't there. So, annoyingly, or maybe they all were. Annoyingly, Gravano testimony that's in the New York Times. He doesn't name any of the shooters. So what he does, Sammy does go on to talk about, is following the murder. How they then, how John become boss. Yeah. Sammy's book's actually pretty good. Um, I think he named the I think he named them in there. I, I could be wrong though. I haven't read it in a couple of years. I think he named the ones that uh were going down anyway. I think he left the ones who didn't get swept up in in the indictments and all that. I think he let, I think he did them justice leaving them out. That, I mean that's one thing I got I gotta give the bull, man. As far as like a turn curl goes, his story stays relatively consistent. The only thing that seems to switch is who was driving that night. I've heard him double back on that a couple times to where it was him driving, but then he ta- talks about it in the one interview to where he, like, God, he was his driver. Uh, but the one thing that remains the same is he swears up and down that they were at the same stoplight as Cassiano. Yeah, I he believe heard. so. Yeah, he talks about that in his testimony, Ian. He said that he was driving, um, and that, where is it? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that they were. Uh, the car with Mr. Castellano drove across Third Avenue and parked in front of Steak's house. But before that, he said, I turned to John and told him that they were right next to us. Um, but he said that uh, he was driving. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, I, in the Diane I was reading Sawyer's that back to fun, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But I do know in the 60 Minutes in the Diane Sawyer's interview, he says uh, – you know, uh, Gotti, uh, I mean, they, they, they give it up to him like he did the whole hit and he masterminded the whole hit. But what he really do? He was a driver. And mm-hmm. he pauses for a second. He's like, my driver. Like, yeah, I believe Sammy had um, a shotgun, too. So they were the backup, backup. You know what I mean? They were like the backup shooters to the backup shooters. Yeah. And we told them, if you have to die with them, you die with them there in the street. Mm-hmm. You got to die in a shootout with the cops. Oh, yeah. Because, like, yeah, Gotti said, you know, if, if you know, you, you better do it because if, they live, we're gonna kill you. So don't worry about the cops, because you're gonna be dead anyway. If right, if they live, and that's why this hit had to uh, work. You know what I mean? Or then they were all been wiped out. And that's another reason why I think Gaudi he couldn't. He had no choice. He knew Paul was gonna kill him. So it was like you know he make a move or or get killed. So he couldn't go to the commission because he knows the commission wouldn't approve it. They would have just told Paul. So he had to do it his way. Yeah, that, that was the thing about Castellano. He seemed to really have it, almost have it in with the other four out of five families more so than, than his own family. You know what I mean? Like This is what yeah, I, I found the bit that, that Sammy says about who, the, who was driving, but it was after the murder. It said the shooters ran over to them, started shooting them. Mr. Gravano testified. Mr. Clano, uh, Mr. Castellano was shot first, he said, and Mr. Bellotti was getting out of the car when somebody came up behind him and shot him. Then he said, "Mr. Gotti drove slowly up to the murder scene." That can't be accurate. The way Tommy Bellotti's laid, he he was shot face first. There's no way you're laid out like that if you're pumped from the back. You'd be on your, you'd be. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think they murder. they said that was Anthony Rampino who shot him uh, 
from behind, but then it said he was shot in his chest. So he, he I agree, he must have been facing, mm. uh, facing someone. Yeah, that that makes sense. That's where I thought I could have swore it was Lino, yeah. who uh, put the kill, who put the kill shots on uh, Bellotti. But I mean, you get shot six times. Who's to say when you really died? But I do know guns, and I do know that if you know you were shot strictly from behind, you wouldn't be laid. You on would fall face and... first. Yeah. No, no, you wouldn't fall into your back. You would fall face first. You know, mm-hmm. as to where if they were in front of you and you're getting your shot in the chest, you're gonna fall on your back. Yeah, but I mean, it could be that you know, if if Tony Roach comes up from behind, hits him with a smaller caliber, like a you know, like a two 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 or like a twenty five or something, and then you know, Lino or whoever, what have you, allegedly hits him with like a thirty eight or like a you know, uh, uh, something a little bigger, a forty, you know, forty four, whatever they were using. They probably all using thirty eight and thirty two. To be honest, the mob seemed to love those pieces of shit. Yeah, but now I think about it. I think like you know, he when he was hitting the back, I think it spun him around, Bilotti. And then he was like facing the shooter. I could be wrong about that, but uh, that's another thing. That's what I'm saying. There's so much different stories to what happened. I do know that he got shot in, straight in the forehead. You can see it in, in like, if you just look at him laying on the road, you can see where his cap's peeled back. You can see where the blowback is on his forehead if you look really close. Wouldn't that be the exit wound? I don't, I don't, I'm, yeah, I don't I'm, think I, I don't I'm just going by what Gravano said in court. <laughs> that's that's what he said, <laughs> but it's the New York Times but, as well, so who knows? But Gravano also, like I said, he told Diane Simmons in their 60 minutes that Thomas Tommy Bellotti sort of puttered around the street for a second trying to figure out which way he was going to run before he was shot. They didn't get him right away, so I mean, the testimony is always a little how the hell are you supposed to say what happened in 13? Yeah, seconds? close. I mean. That's like when I study uh, Columbine for, you know, the, the novel I'm writing for 2024. It's like when you go over the ballistics of something like that, and we're talking on a minor scale for the Paul hit as opposed to like a mass shooting of that caliber. It's so hard to be like, who shotgun shell killed who? Whose nine millimeter bullet killed who when both shooters are using similar weapons, you know? Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, nonetheless, it was definitely, in my opinion, I got a lot of uh, – shit for this in one of the groups when I wrote an article about the Big Paul hit. I said it's it's the most infamous mob hit of all time. Someone got on my on my ass and was like, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I rebuttaled with, psych, that's a massacre, you stupid fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a fucking onslaught. That's not a well-placed mob execution. That shit's a <laughs> bullet. Yeah, I think, what would you I say think Tony Okado was in on planning that. On the St. Valentine's? Yeah, he was yeah. he was one of the guys that was in on planning it. I think he's one of the shooters. Yeah, boy. He that's possible. I think I I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not gonna hold my hand on that, but I think he's one of the shooters. I've always suspected Giacana was was in on that because he would have been Capone's driver at the time, young, brazen. I could I could see it. He'd have had that slender look that where he like I I I don't know. I can't I can't prove anything, but uh I can definitely tell you that that's one of the most gangster lines ever when they were questioning I don't know who. I don't know if it was Bucks Workman or whoever it was in the hospital. The only one that made it, and he's like, nobody shot me, and he's fucking hit like eight times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was like his final words. Yeah, nobody shot me. Go fuck yourself. Thank. You. What you reckon was the um, the second most famous then? Ian? The uh, Galante hit or Anastasia? No, I gotta go with Galante because they covered Anastasia up. Yeah. So the sheet over kind of gives that like uh, ambiance. Galante is spread fucking eagle with a cigar in his mouth after a lunch. That's one of the best photos, I think. 
Oh, oh yeah, I mean, fuck. Do you think that he actually clenched the cigar in his teeth as he is being? Shot I do. I do. Cause that too. too. I just think it's it, he was hit so quick that like if anything you think about it, your mouth's gonna cringe down. You know what yeah. I mean? So, oh. you know, I I absolutely believe I'm like talking, like I'm with the Anastasia the hit, the photographer put that card in Anastasia's hand. That um. Yeah. That's Maritano. Oh, Maritano. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maritano. Yeah, to where someone said that they think uh, the cigar was put into Galante's mouth. I don't, I don't believe so. I think that was, you know, him clinching down on it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and he had a lighter in his right hand, I believe, or in his left hand. In one hand, he had a lighter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see him just cussing all the way through it. Like, oh, you cock-sucking motherfucker. Just, just, like, getting ripped up this pit. I mean, yeah, I but how did he get shot? We don't know. It's fucking like. It's like twenty shots. It's the thought. first shot that killed him. If they shot him in the head first time round and it killed him, like Rob said, he would have bitten down on that cigar, and that's why it probably stayed in his mouth. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even if you got hit in like the neck or the he was lit up. I don't know. I don't know if anybody has hit more than Galante. There was no love. I mean, besides the you know the bootleg era St. Valentine's Day massacre, Tommy Gun. But like modern day, I don't. I don't think anybody's been plugged more no. than Galante. I, I don't. Not that I. That not that I know of. Not 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 infamously, anyway. Not that we know of. Yeah, because then they use then they actually use like assault rifles on that one. Did at least one guy good. actually had? That was a military. Like, I, yeah, seriously, shotguns and nine mils and assault rifles for like a twenty yard shot, not even like and like, yeah, because like with Anastasia, I know I know for a fact they hit him with thirty eights and thirty twos, and. My favorite thing about his hit is that he runs towards the mirror trying to fight off his attackers. I've always I, liked you that. Know, I love that. I, I think that – and I think you would. I think initially if you was in that situation and, and you would go straight to the mirror because that's, where the, oh, that's where the problem lies. You don't realise immediately it's behind. So I, I believe that really did happen. I do too. Yeah, I believe it happened. Anybody who's like, oh, that'd have been me, I'd have done. Uh, you're an asshole. Shut the fuck. You don't up. know what you're gonna do until you're in that situation, do you? Yeah, you've never had three people just fucking letting like the only, there's only two people who are in control when it comes to a hit. Fucking the hitters and the gun. I'm just counting the gun as a person on ba- like basic principle because the gun's not gonna do anything without the person behind. And it. look at it. Everybody else, kind of fucking, you know, at the at their mercy. Unless you're the chin. <laughs> You're the chin. Thanks. This Frank. one's for you, Frank. This one's for you, Frank. That's what I'm saying. How do you go from being that that fucking badass of a motherfucker to like he ain't gonna he ain't gonna respond. Mm. He 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 can't understand you. Like I couldn't do that, man. I'd be like, don't you fucking talk to me. I can understand them just fine. I'd I'd freak out. Cause they still hounded him like they hounded Gotti. It's not like they left the channel. No, exactly. You know they, I mean? they, that's why he carried on because he had to, because they followed him absolutely everywhere. Yeah, I think he was. What do you guys think of? Uh, he was just as much followed as what um, Giancarlo was. Oh yeah, easily, easily. Now there's a son. There's a fucking. That's one that keeps me up at night sometimes. Who clipped Giancarlo? Mm. That one gets me. I'm telling you, Carlo would have uh, called that. Oh, he would have called it, but I, I don't think he was. He wouldn't. No, no, no. He wouldn't have been a shooter, not by a long shot. But, and I, and I reckon, yeah. yeah, I reckon they would have got out of town as. I think it would have been someone from another family from way, 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 way outside. I think it had to have been somebody he knew personally. He was cooking a... Oh, yeah, no, it was somebody close to him. I forget the guy's name. Um, oh, they know who did it? 
well, they don't know for sure, but um, it's who everybody thinks uh, thinks it was. He was in a meeting. Was it Frank Sharon? Did he do that one too? <laughs> <laughs> that no. was yours, man. <laughs> hey, at least his story. Wait, wait, what was his name? Richard Richard Richard. Richard. Richard I'll tell you what, though, right? What I'm, I'm really chuffed about is that we're covering um, the Italian-American mafia on quite a special day for organised crime, or not a special day for organised crime, but on quite a synonymous day for organised crime here in Great Britain as well, because today um, was the day that Frankie Fraser was born back in 1923. So um, it's quite a good time to bring that up. <laughs> And who was he exactly? I'm not Frankie sure. Fraser was, um, he was, uh, well, I mean, he, he ended up working for Charlie and Eddie Richardson. Him and Eddie Richardson um, together set up a, a fruit machine enterprise, very similar to the American Mafia, called Atlantic Machines, funny enough. And obviously that was a front <laughs> for uh, extortion and, and uh, 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 well, racketeering, if you like. <clears throat> But then yeah. they all got they all got in. Funny enough, it was the day that England won the World Cup. Uh, Frankie ah, Frankie Fraser was already in jail. Uh, he was doing fight. He'd been pulled in on a murder um, of a guy called Richard Hart, um, which was a famous shooting at a club in Catford called Mister Smith's Club. Um, and there was another guy that was involved called uh, Jimmy Moody. Um, they ended up getting charged. They were charged. I know that Fraser was charged with murder, but he ended up getting done for um, an affray, got five years. But while he was in, um, Charlie Richardson and the rest of the gang got nicked on the what is now known as the torture gang trial. Um, and Charlie ended up getting 25 years, five years left than, less than the craze who got 30 years in 1969. Yet Charlie never killed anyone. See the problem with the problem the Richardsons had really. I mean, it was Charlie wasn't. I mean, it was more the Richardsons were more, if you like, the criminal side were more to do with Eddie and with uh, Frankie. Charlie was more involved in the the business side in the and got himself involved with the establishment and the establishment. He didn't fit, and the establishment. Like a Michael Francis. Yeah. Like a Michael Francis. Well, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Charlie was very, yeah, very, very much in that same in that same vein, if you like. Very smart, very intelligent, um, could be very well to do, but he was still a South London gangster, and the establishment didn't like yeah. that. So when they got the opportunity, um, they they screwed him. As I say, twenty five years. Um, I think Frankie got another ten. And his brother, Eddie, who was doing five at the time, he got another 10 on top as well. But one of um, uh, Lucian, I can't think of the guy's surname now, Lucian something, who was the main prosecution witness. There's actually, he was supposed to have been tortured, yet the next day they've actually got footage of him, film footage of him going back into a couple of shops, walking fine. There was... His, the way he was didn't match the injuries that he was supposed to have had. And then uh, following on from the trial, a few years later, he actually um, rescinded his statement and said that he lied and that the police said to him if he made up this, that and the other, they wouldn't uh, pursue further charges against him personally. 
And yet, unfortunately, Charlie died before um, all of this was able to go back to court again for a retrial. Not that I know much about this one. Oh, you got this one locked up. I'm going to need your help here soon, actually, because a little quick little promo, and then we'll get back on Big Paul. Uh, obviously, you guys know I started a second podcast, Tilly Time Tuesdays, still a, a podcast via Anchor. It's uh, it's going to be me pretty much once hockey season starts again. Every Tuesday, I'm going to go over the previous week's, uh, you know, fisticuffs, the, the fights that, you know, happened in the NHL. Uh, leading up to it, I'm just going to do the classics, my favorite NHL enforcers of all time. I'm a huge hockey fan. But, David, you know my other obsession um, – more than most and no it's not going to be a columbine podcast because that should be mm. bad taste that's that belongs that belongs yes. in a book but i want to do a i want to do a hooligan hideaway i want i want to do a hooligan hideaway at okay. some point and uh yeah I'm gonna, i definitely need your help on that one and what's hooligan hideaway going to be about a hooligans you don't know what a hooligan is Rob? i know what a hooligan is i want you to freaking tell the listeners <laughs> my bad I, it's just a, a passion project of mine no, hooligans are – they're one of my favorite facets of crime, man. They're, they're right up there with bikers and, like, the crazy dedication with, like, no profit really being brought in. There's some bikers who made a lot of money, but for the most part, it all goes to the club. They work regular jobs. Same with same with fellas in a firm. I don't know if that means fraternity over there, Dave, but um, I'm guessing it means something along that line. Yeah, it's like a crew, the, the, uh, yeah. a family. The crazed the, the craze, well, their lot were known as the firm. Oh, oh, man, that's kind of bummer. I don't really like the craze. They nah, really yeah, I'm a bit. Tom Hardy did a good playing both of them, but my favorite British gangster is imaginary. His name's Bricktop. So, but no, nonetheless, hooligans for everybody listening are uh, individuals who are very, very passionate. I mean, I, Americans kind of get it, but not even, not, not really, because these motherfuckers literally go out of their way. Some of them aren't even supposed to be in the vicinity at, on that day, but match day madness. You know, like let's say you got the factory. You got you, you got your milk. Yeah, you got yeah, you got your fucking Millwall. You got your West Ham boys. And David, correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes certain teams won't play each other for years. Correct? Um, yeah, it, it, you, you. What we have, we have um, four different leagues. We have the Premiership down to League Three, and then you have like a Conference League, but. You've got the FA Cup and the League Cup, and that's where your 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 if you like your bigger teams meet the the so your big city teams. Someone like Chelsea would end up playing, yeah, would end up playing Millwall. Um, but you do, yeah. I mean, they are some of these sort of smaller teams because they were big in the eighties. It's just over the years that they've kind of dropped down the league. So those kind of those kind of derbies, yeah, they are very. They're more. It's like Arsenal, Tottenham. It's more. Um, it's, it's. It's. They're not violent anymore. It's, they're, they're, there's no actual. I mean, it's great for the game. That there's no violence in the stadiums anymore. Of course it is, and it's great to see families as oh, well. Dave. But believe you me, it still goes on. No, I was going to say you're sleeping on it. I think it's just gotten more. No, that's, yeah, it is. It takes I mean, it the, takes place away from the football ground. It still goes on. It doesn't go on in the numbers, um, and it doesn't go on like as much as what you see in the British films that have been made about violence in football. It it very much was very very like that, um, but these days it's it's kind of calmed down quite a lot. You don't get. I mean. <laughs> yeah, you don't get a lot of violence, but I think that's because they've because the violence has dropped off, and the way that they've designed stadiums now, 
and you see less police as well. So you get a lot more stewards that are paid for by the stadium rather than police. And I think that by itself right. calms down a, a, a crowd because you know what the old Bill are like. They're up for anything. So they, oh, yeah. in those situations, oh. they tend not to calm a situation. They just make a situation worse. So when you've got stewards that actually work for the, the stadium that these people respect, don't forget when you're looking at the police, you're dealing with a uniform. You're not dealing with the love of a football team. You're dealing with a police uniform that you may love. Yep. So the stewards side and the families coming back, it's kind of pushed it out. And it, it, it's once it started pushing it out, that was when you started seeing it die off a bit. But yeah, I mean, it, it does go on, Ian, although in pocket. Yeah. Yeah, it seem, it does seem like a dying breed, but uh, to finish explaining what hooligans do is, like any other, you know, sport, big sports enthusiast, you, you, you wake up in the morning, you have your breakfast, you know what I mean? You probably didn't sleep the night before if you're a true to blue hooligan like uh, like my dude Dante Hawkins over there from uh, Chelsea, uh, who ended up doing like eight years for hooliganism. And, you, you know, you head to the match, whether that means you hop an express train or however the fuck you guys get around over there to go to the rival team, you know, or at home, you meet up, you play the match, you get pissed out of your tree at the local pub, and your overall goal is to find another group of individuals such as yourselves who are just as passionate, who plan to cause nothing but carnage, chaos, and unadulterated, unbiased violence on one another. And I, I think it's beautiful. And one of my favorite well, it things... sounds a little like you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I always wanted to start up hockey firms, man. I always wanted hockey hooligans to be a thing, and it just it's just belligerent, drunk Detroit fans flipping cars. So, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? But my favorite thing about hooligans was always how extra they went. For I mean, we're talking, like, these boys are rocking fucking fresh three stripes, Burberry fucking zip-ups. So, I mean, like, they're not dressing with the big scarves and, like, your families that are going to these, these games or rows or whatever they're called over there, but with the intention to just trash, to, I mean, to ju- just piss it all away. And I mean, David, what is, what is uh, a, a hooliganism sentence carry over there on your first or second one? I know second one. It's really- um, well, I mean, it, obviously it depends on the seriousness of um, it, it's mainly, it comes under a fray, but they can, if they're football related, if it's sport related, they can actually take your passport away from you. They can take your passport away from you whenever England are playing abroad, if you get banned from abroad. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot of um, punishments that follow football hooliganism. But as I say, it's it's more now to do with um, just general um, criminality in respect of violence. So it's... You you, you can't... So they're just trashing shit. They're just kind of vandalizing. Yeah, as I say, Ian, it's not... um, If uh, Let's be honest. I mean, if... Um, they got caught for the crimes that they were committing. You're going to be looking at attempted murder, um, grievous bodily harm, Section 18, which is one away from attempted murder, wounding, which is one under that. I mean, there's some very serious violent offences, possession of offensive weapons, possession of knives, possession of firearms. I mean, there could be a hell of a lot of charges. And and the thing is... My favourite thing... You know, it wasn't about winning or losing. It didn't seem like for these boys. It's about showing up and, and just having it. You know, I mean, it's like Kevin Weeks talks about with Boston. It's kind of, and it's the same way in Detroit. It's like, you don't have to win all your fights. You yeah, I mean, show up. F- you, you know what don't I mean? Don't forget, football in, in, in this country was built on the back of um, the lower class and the working class. And it's 
a lot of sports are considered to be elitist. Football is still the sport that people turn to to get themselves out of depravity. You you hear very many stories about footballers that have come from nothing. Um, they've got a background of foster yeah. living. They've got a background of care. They've got a background of like uh, skimming close to the criminal justice system. So it really is the people's sport. And it was something where you went to get rid of your shit on a Monday or Friday. You turn up on a Saturday, you got all this angst and anger. So you start, you have a couple of beers beforehand, you have a punch up on the terraces, you call a couple of wingers a wanker, and hopefully you go home with three points under your belt. That is an absolutely perfect day for a football match. But it's changed over the years. It's become business. Um, it's become a spectator sport um, for, for the masses yeah. rather than for that, if you like, that that sport that belonged to the, the, the people that had their people, the ones above them keeping their foot on their head, if you like. So that's, I think, so it really yeah. did, um, if you like, I suppose, link in with, with, the, the the angry undercurrent within this country because of the way that classes split so blatantly down the middle between the haves and the have nots. Yeah, no, absolutely absolutely. That was that was see, that was my always my favorite thing about hooligans is like I said, they they're right up there with bikers, except bikers are going to further extremes. But these guys are still risking five to ten years. I'm talking back in the early nineties, mid nineties, that whole stretch. I mean, you're still talking like you got a guy. He's an auto mechanic. He's an auto mechanic. Solicitors. Friday. He's a lawyer. He's a loving husband. Yeah. I mean, yeah. doctors. You're you're yeah, talking exactly. people from all walks. You're not talking just about. Um, but you'll find that um, the ones that uh, get involved, the ones that get involved, that are your doctors and are your solicitors. They're the ones that have grown with that background, if you like. They they've got themselves out of of that area, but. They've got themselves out work-wise, academic-wise, but they still have that attachment. They still have that anger. They still have that angst that they need to get rid of. And then you find that you, they then start, because of the jobs that they do and they get matey with people and they get matey from people from the upper class, for the upper class, it's like, oh, my God, what is this? And they turn up. So you 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 really and, – and they turn up for that voyeurism, that, that I suppose – the basis of the fight club, they turn up for that, um, something they would never probably but see it, in their yeah. lives. And they've got an opportunity without anybody knowing to sneak off and get involved in a little bit of vandalism or hooliganism on, within football. So oh, there are, there are different, there are other people that are involved that you probably wouldn't think. Yeah, no, it's, it's always been on my bucket ever since I, it's cliche as fuck coming from over there. I'm sure. But, Green Street hooligans, man. It fucking it turned me and all my friends into a bunch of fucking degenerate. What fucking, the film, Green Street? Always looking for. Yeah, 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 the first one, the original one with Charlie Hunnam, and all. I mean, like, like I said, it's corny, it's cliche. I've heard a lot of shit about. It. People gave me a lot of shit about it when I would do hooligan posts and stuff because they actually thought I was from the UK and they're like, "Bro, you're a joke." I'm like, "Dude, I'm from Michigan," and they're like, "Oh, that makes sense." Like. <laughs> No, for real. The one guy was all like, "Oh, you, you you're not from West Ham because like I, I'll always fucking West Ham till I die." I don't. I can't even tell you where West Ham is. It's London, and I still fucks with. with... <laughs> hey, London. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's always been a passion project of mine too. But... And did you know the term hooligan? I believe um, is a term that was used. It, it described um, a family from Ireland that were a very violent family, and their behaviour 
basically drew up the term hooligan. That was their names, the hooligans. And I think it comes from America, if I remember rightly. Probably because they were calling us pikeys and fucking men. It might be wrong. It yeah. might be one of those things that I've heard and thought, yeah, I believe that. And it might not be true. But, yeah, I'm sure it's something like that. I love what, – what, what does geezer mean over there? Because I love that every time I watch like a – because like What's that's that where I got some shit. Because it, it ain't as dead as – yeah, like because they're always talking – like all the hooligans are always talking. They're like, oh, Ryan, I did that guy. Just that, it's Fine, just like um, um, a bloke that's one of your own, really. It's like fella, bloke, mate. Uh, geezer, yeah, it's just all right, bruv. All right, geez. Because here, a geezer is an old man. Well, that's where it can't, you've got yeah. old geezer. Um, and um, old geezer kind of, yeah, it's old geezer's an old geezer, <laughs> but yeah, geezer's just a, it's just a, it's just oh, a God, man, yeah. uh, terminology for another man, really. But it isn't something you'd hear in Buckingham Palace. Hey, Philip, did you see that geezer the other day? Yeah, no. It wouldn't be. It'd more likely be down the Red Lion or they on, the, no- on the, uh, the the stands at West Ham. Or it goes up. Yeah. Yeah, in Birmingham. No, they, they were doing an interview with this guy, Dante Hawkins. I really hope to have him on because he was one of the last stretches of real hooliganism. But they're like, how would you depict yourself? He's like, oh, man, I guess I'm just a lovely, lovely <laughs> geezer. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I love it. I love that shit. I love your guys' slang. People over here fucking hate me because I I'll be saying like, <laughs> oh, all I say, all right. Like fuck. I love that shit. My all right, put me in the boot. Put me in the boot. Just <laughs> take him down, all right? Love it. Real cockney. I, I can't speak uh Buckingham Palace uh British. If I'm doing a British impersonation, I'm I'm de- pretty much belittling your whole country. Yeah, that's what do you know what that's what annoys me about American programs when you have one of our British actors over there playing an American. It's like haven't you got enough American actors to actually have an American actor playing someone in America? Why no. do they have to be British? No. We cannot do American accents. <laughs> Bill the Butcher is Daniel Day Lewis who is as British as they fucking come. There's nobody else who's yeah, true. Fucking done that. No, yeah, but come on though, Jude Law playing a Russian uh, sniper in Enemy at the Gate. All right, guys, come up the yeah. apples and pears and sort right, out I'll... a couple of bullets, will ya? <laughs> yeah, proper Russian. Sean Connery, Red October. <laughs> Who's ever heard a Russian or... captain sound like that? <laughs> oh, yes, Mr. Money, I know. But uh, like I said, Charlie Hunnam from uh, Green Street Hooligans, he did really good in Sons of Anarchy doing like a West Coast California guy accent. You know what I mean? Whereas in Green Street <laughs> Hooligans, he's like, oh, well, yeah, exactly. you know, reverse. It, it amazes yeah. me how some of these actors can turn that accent on and off like that. You know what I mean? They can do their English accent and then they can do our accent. It, it, it amazes me how they can turn it on and off. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, always been a passion project of mine, too. I've always liked to try to impersonate different cultures, areas, accents. I, I love the Boston. I, I love And I saw it. Like, how you guys I saw it. Or law, law enforcement. Oh, my God. Oh, man, I just lose it. I lose it every time. Every, every time I'm fucking at work, and she'll be like, let's get the Zorzor. And they're like, what the Zorzor? Like, I'm like, oh, no Zorzor? <laughs> All right. The Zolzol, you know, like the Salzol. I, do you got? Do you, I don't know what the fuck you call it. Salzol. So, like it's... 
True. But nonetheless, we went down the fucking rabbit hole. I but, love talking uh, to you guys. Yeah, man. The big Paul hit. Oh, I'm shoot, man. I'd like, it's fucking, it's the best. I'm almost happy we got cut out earlier. Otherwise, we probably would have fucking stuck the topic and did an actual, you know, well authentic, well authentic, whatever. I can't say that right now. A good podcast. You know what I mean? We'd have done a, a, a solid, factual, straight. We don't do things like that. And I, I don't <laughs> like that. That's not good. Right? Not over here. We don't. I leave that to Scott Bernstein and like, you know, Brett Giuliano and. You know, I, I leave that to people who actually have dignity in class. I, uh, hey, well done, I, I, I don't have <laughs> What's he saying about me and you, bro? <laughs> me I and you got class. I'm saying that you're a scumbag and you're a scumbag from South Boston, and I love you both. I'm not from South Boston, but okay. All right, Somerville? Yeah, mainly Everett. <laughs> oh. I don't. I don't know what that is, Rob. N- n- nor do it's the, the ci- it's city next door. It's right in between them both. Hey, listen, I, I was watching an incredible um, series that I finished watching last night. Obviously, um, binge watched. Um, it was all about Flint Town. Oh man, that place heavy, isn't it? Flint Town. What? Yeah, Flint, Michigan. Flint, Michigan. Or are you talking somewhere else? Oh, I'm 20 minutes from Flint. I fucking love You're Flint, 20 man. minutes from Flint. Got, wow, man. Flint. I'll South tell you what, when I saw that, that program was heavy. That really did open my eyes to, um, in a way, the issues that law enforcement do have. I mean, we have our views of the police, but if their hands are tied, how can they be there for anybody? That was just incredible what I was watching. Man. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Flint got fucked, man. You're talking when GM Upton moved in the fucking late 80s, early it's, 90s, whenever it was, they packed up shop. A city of 100,000, they took 60,000 jobs away. It was what basically the, uh, the, the Tom Johnson, is it, that's the chief of police now? It was um, basically, it was, I think yeah, it was yeah. 2016. Yeah, it was when Trump was um, first uh, um, given the presidency. So what was that? 216, wasn't it? 217. Yeah, so it was done. It, it began in two fifteen, and it was like done over those two year period. But it's a fantastic program, and it really does highlight right. some issues as well. I got, I got Go a lot of Vikings, man. Vikings. When the whole, uh, when the whole, <laughs> <laughs> when the whole uh, George Floyd thing went down, and I mean it was disgusting, and every city across the country rioted just like they did with Rodney King. Flint didn't, and it was because of the police department, and it was because of the people in the city. Like, yo, we can't, we can't do this again. You know what I mean? Like, we won't back. Like Detroit, you could burn, you could burn Detroit down one or two more times, probably, probably. If I'm being honest, you can't light Flint on fire again. You just can't do it. It just, it just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, shout out to all my. Oh, big yeah, big shout out to the people in Flint, man. After, as I say, watching that program, God, they got it rough there, man. Hey, Snyder gave us poison water, but we call it home as the one. What's happening with that poison water? Is that all being sorted out now? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. They're still, quote unquote, working Shit. on it. Yeah. That's disgraceful. And they still pay water rates. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep, they still pay a water bill. That's that's big business, man. It stinks, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it's. Uh, it, yeah, it's. I mean, it's really sad. It's really. But the thing I got, the thing I admire about Flint is I, I love the their yeah. their hustler spirit. You know, what I mean, I, I I ain't never met a motherfucker from Flint who wished he was from Detroit that. or wished he was. You know, what I mean, they're, they're perfect. 
they're perfectly proud to be where they're from. You get a lot of into a lot of places and like if you're not the major, so like nobody gives a fuck where you're from in Illinois. Well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of I mean? kind of but, middle-aged to retired people that will be they uh, uh, the the chief of police come up with a new initiative of getting the community involved in the policing, saying, "All right, well, um, if you know what the problems are, come and help us," which I think is a fair is a fair shout. But you yeah. could see how much the area. I mean, to get anyone in in that area to do community policing must have been very difficult. But they did have quite a lot of numbers. And I think that is because people cared uh, and, and will show that they will collaborate oh. with anybody. They will do anything they possibly can to try and bring Flint, well, not to what it was one, once was, because obviously GM was a huge loss, but to at least give people opportunity and chances there. Yeah, to take the fucking liquor store away from there. The, what's really sad about Flint and what's really sad about impoverished areas like that you go, you go to Anchor Bay in Michigan. That's a well-to-do area. No, you exactly. ain't gonna find a liquor store within fucking ten miles of that. High <laughs> you go to Flint High School. It's right the now, same here, a, Ian. There's a liquor store. It's the store same, mate. In, in the deprived areas, yeah, Is you it? get a lot of. Um, the, there's, um, I mean, when my daughter lives quite close to a deprived area, and there's a main high road. Um, that used to be a, a, a whole mixture of shops, and now all it is is coffee shops, um, uh, liquor stores or convenience stores, as we call them here, and charity shops. That's that's all it is. Yeah. Um, and it's like the charity shops is as if, well, we know you're going to spend money on the drink in these convenience stores, so here, yeah, look, you can buy cheap clothes, so you don't have to spend your money on expensive clothes. It's like they they enable people to live and to survive rather than um, give them opportunity to get out. No, absolutely. Flint, the, the weed dispensers are what's saving Flint. Other than that, it's strip clubs, gun stores, mm. and liquor stores, fast food, gas stations. That's it. It's all, all, the people, all the people that I worked with from Flint and I got real tight with from Flint, they would take buses out to where like I stay at to work in the factories that are out, out this way. Because, I mean, there's just, like I said, unless – Unless you're going to be a, a corner hustler or you're going to, you know, work in a weed dispensary or, you know, you're going to, I mean, it, it, it's really sad. Mm. But, I mean, yeah, I you can definitely see. What's it like around you, Robert? There are areas like Flint around you or close? Wow. Yeah, similar. It shouldn't be like, I mean, when the, the thing is, though, oh, we're real- talking about, it's like, um, I think we're over here, the fifth largest economy in the world. I mean, I think you guys are either first or second. But what? What? How? How? How are these things still going on in 2020? Coming up to 2021? Do you know what I mean? It's just like, where's humanity gone? Where's empathy? Because assholes like Jeff Bezos, because assholes like Jeff Bezos become a trillionaire during a fucking pandemic. Which is At least with I the mafia, you mean. knew they were criminals, so therefore you knew what you're going to get with governments and big organisation and Wall Street and. And the banks we have here in the finance and the pharmaceutical companies, they're the criminals. They get away with shit every single day, man. There's no reason somebody nah, should become a trillionaire. Not at all. No individual should be a trillionaire, bruv. Oh, no, not to my guy. During a pandemic when everybody's fucking when everybody else is struggling and starving to get by because you're the only thing that, you know, delivers goods and services and everything shut yeah, down. And, and, so and become then, a trillionaire. And getting back and, to organized crime, this is how organized crime grows because 
people involved in organised crime, the people that are at the lowest look after each other. People that haven't got anything give you something. Yeah. People that have got everything give you fuck all. Yeah. It's mental. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It, it, I I really think they uh they move the mob. I mean, it's like Vegas. They move the mob out and yeah, move exactly. the corporations in. Who are the biggest criminals? I'd, ra- I'd rather know that. I want. I'd rather. Yeah, I'd rather somebody steal from me than yeah. pretend that you're like doing me a favor. Don't get me wrong, mob guys would do that too. But sometimes they were. They were like, "Hey, people like your bread. You're selling it for thirty cents. You're gonna sell it for a dollar. I only want twenty cents. You clear the rest." You're like, "Um, okay." Mm. And they're like, "Yeah, we, we're dictating the price." Other times, yeah, you're strong armed. You know, you get your Mad Sam Stoppinos, your you know your Tommy Argos, you know guys like that. But I mean, even like Gotti. I mean, uh, yeah. Ozone Park. I mean, they fucking love Gotti. You know what I mean? Like, if something you know. Something closed down. You didn't have the money but, for something. Fucking daddy would help you out. That's the thing they cared about the community. These 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 councillors, these government officials. They don't they don't give a toss. These people in big business. They don't give a toss, man. Cool. Look at us getting political. <laughs> no, as fucking. That's why full fledged anarchist established nineteen ninety two, bro. The rich get rich. Exactly. They fucking scraping by. It so, is all good, brother. It's all we good. ain't gonna it's change all gravy it. Gravy to me, you know what? I- Nah, I ain't gonna chill. I mean, I'm gonna I'm try to make an impact. I'm fucking, uh, I'm definitely a down to die trying type of motherfucker. Like, I'm not just gonna up and, you know, burn a bunch of just random shit down. But if anybody ever really wants to hit that whole credit union Tyler Durden fight club bit, I fucks with you, bro. Let's take out the Rothschilds. Let's actually just, don't burn down fucking Jim's liquor. Jim fucking's just as broke as you. Burn down fucking Capital One Bank. Burn down the fucking, you know what I mean? Burn down the What are you saying? He's only rhetorical. He isn't giving advice to people to burn things down. (laughs) If you burn things down, that is your own decision and nothing to do with you whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah. Do not try this at home. If you listen to anything I say and you're like, that kid's got the right idea, we should follow him, you're a fucking moron. You're a moron. Like... I'm just good at But it is you, you you're right in one aspect though, Ian. It uh, is like, the government is never ever gonna change. Big business is never gonna change. Wall Street, uh the 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 uh the, the mile in the city, the square mile, God, I've got the name of the, the square mile in the city of London, they don't care about us people <laughs> down here at the bottom. We gotta look up we gotta look after each other, we gotta look out for each oh. other, we've gotta give a shit about each other it don't matter about your religion it don't matter about the color of your skin it don't matter about your background we're in it together man we should all pull together and then they have to start listening to us because then we become the majority and not the minority thank you mate yeah that's well said i'm i'm down to leave i'm down to leave it on that if you guys are we can we can close it on that, that <laughs> i'm just gonna make everything he said sound i'm on a mission <laughs> brother i'm on a mission I, I can I can tell that we're we're all on a mission. We'll get there, boys. We'll definitely get there. Yeah, definitely. You guys need man. to set up a Zoom though. We gotta start doing this shit video and. But uh, hell yeah! I mean, for everybody out there listening, sorry that the rabbit hole on you. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, nonetheless, the big Paul hit December sixteenth, nineteen eighty five. She's right around the corner, boys. I would have loved to do it on the day, but I'm gonna be in a cell phone tower. So, uh, yeah. another big shout out to James uh, Pierre or whatever his last yep. name is. That's when his that's when his yep. book's coming out. Actually, ironically enough, so big shout out to him. Big shout out to Seth and all the boys again. Catch me over at Tilly Time Tuesdays. Fucking Rob, you got you got anything you want to plug? Bro? No, I'm good. 
You good? I feel like me and Dave <laughs> fucking just out. Yeah, I was falling running. asleep over here. I bet you. Right. <laughs> just kidding. It's all right. I'm all fucking. We're gonna we're we'll pick an episode to where you're just gonna come in and kill it. Anytime we do like Rizzutos or like anybody who's not Five Families or Detroit or Philly or Boston, like you guys, you guys blow me out of the water. Like I don't, you know, I I I don't know shit about the Rizzutos and shit. That was all you guys. So you, we'll all. We'll, we'll, get back, we'll get it back to you, Rob. I got you. I got you. But, uh, yeah, yeah, let I me mean, order those guys. Happy, we speak to each other before then. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'll be writing you guys on Christmas. Rob, yeah, big up uh, David, you. Oh, yeah. David, you give yeah. uh, you give love to that wife of yours. And, uh, I mean, I'll, a bit, I'll, I'll catch you Have a good later. one. Have a great Sunday, guys. Have a good one. Tell you.